This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. Um, all right, let's do this, because I got lots to say. Oh, God. Like, it's such a... Okay, well, let's let's start the thing. As you know, this is the measure of an episode. Picard edition, season two edition, episode 10 edition. Farewell. And the blurb is, why kill Renee if you were just going to blow up the rocket anyway? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that's the Amazon, but I don't... Like, I don't know what yours said on Paramount Plus, but that's what the Amazon one says. Okay. Um, I'm me, Paul. I'm Jonathan. Um, and let me see the Paramount Plus one. God, I hate this app. Oh my god! Like this is probably the worst blurb. Like it's it's just another horoscope. And every finale ever in the season two finale, <laughs> with just hours until the Europa launch, Picard and the crew find themselves in a race against time to save the future. Like that oh, doesn't so tell you. Boring. I know. I know. Yeah. Like, Nothing. No, not a thing. All right. So I have my my intro. If you want to hear it. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Since Jean-Luc, Admiral of Starfleet, was a child, he has wanted his mother and forgiveness. He is sent to the past to stop a time displacement and save himself and the universe. A task that should overwhelm him, but there are forces that conspire. Forces of darkness, forces of heart. Long may he make it so. <laughs> what, what is that? It's Rain, um, R-E-I-G-N, and it's about Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, and the reason why I picked it is because I I Googled shows that rushed their series finale. <laughs> and again, like, so my very first note is like within three minutes of the episode starting, the first conversation is one of those, as you know, because Picard's like, remember the prophecy? And he just re- repeats it to them, which they literally just heard outside. Based on what just happened between last episode and this episode, they were outside and they heard it. And he comes back in and he's like, as you know, everyone, we just heard from the Borg. <laughs> it was such a bad way to start the episode because the last episode starts off with Picard marching away as though he's going to – action is going to be taken. Follow me, everybody. Right. And then it cuts to them inside the chateau right. having the same conversation. Like the energy is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's – right. And so this is where it goes back to like – they, they couldn't decide if they wanted it to be serial or episodic. And by choosing to make it episodic, which is ultimately what they decided to do, even though it doesn't look that way, they shot themselves in the foot by having to wrap up everything in this final episode. If they had done it in like a 10-hour movie, they could have wrapped up some of the stories in episode 8, more of them in episode 9, and finally wrap everything up in episode 10. This whole thing, I feel... Like, you can't really re-edit it because it's all done chronologically, but all of the beats should have been completely reshuffled around to make this a suspenseful 10-hour movie instead of, we're going to focus on this in this episode, and then this in this episode. It just lacked cohesion. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. And this is something we complained about the entire run, mm-hmm. was that it felt like all of the writers of each episode didn't know what the other writers were doing. Right. And they just wrote the episode in a, in a vacuum. Yeah. So I don't, I just, I don't, I, I was watching this and I had a befuddled look on my face the entire time because not that it necessarily didn't make sense because it all kind of fit together, but this episode was the most network television-y type of experience. Well, and, but it was also the most action-packed and story-packed because they had to resolve everything. <laughs> right. But it was not in service to anything. No. It was, it yeah. was. It was in service to wrapping up the loose ends right. in a way because they kind of had the big battle in episode nine. Mm-hmm. But now in this episode, they had this whole loose end with Rene Picard 
and Data. What's his name? Soong. Adam Soong. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's talk about this whole sequence at the rocket launch place. Picard and what's her name? Talon beam over to the Disney Hall slash launch place. And they don't beam inside of the place. Right. Not that it's any harder to get inside. You just have to go put on a jumpsuit and walk through. But why wouldn't they just beam inside already? Right. Into one, where they keep the jump suits. Right. Like she didn't have any trouble finding the suit. So why not just beam her in there? There was no conflict that they tried to write in. So, yeah. Like why sneak in when you have a transporter? Right. Good point. And then she makes it in. She has like whatever her name is, Talon. I can never remember her damn name. She sneaks in behind Renee, who's dreamily looking up at the, the rocket. And and they have this conversation, which I guess could have been a very interesting conversation. There's so much in here that it was like, oh, that's really nice. Like I wasn't it wasn't eye rolling because they were sweet moments, but they weren't earned. Like we never saw before this, like her genuinely wanting to meet her or like caring about her. You know, she's like, she's the means to an end. We need to save her. And then there was one beat in the bar where she asked, you know, like, are you sure this is a good idea? Maybe she really isn't ready. And Picard's like, the fuck? Like, no, I'm from a future where she doesn't go, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I guess that was the scene that set up this scene. Right. Because Talon kind of disappears for a while. Yeah, yeah. As a character. I mean, she's there on screen, but she really doesn't have any effect. She's just kind of there to help. She's there to hold Picard's you know, stuff. Right. His junk. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt like there were so many ways around this. Like, again, with the ingenuity and the, our characters not having any, mm-hmm. it felt so stitched together. Well, sorry, just to segue really quick. Um, I, I do want to hear your thought, but just speaking of ingenuity, like there was a moment of ingenuity on Picard's part, but we saw nothing about it. Like they're discussing everything and the camera's on him and he's like calculating, you know, this is back at the Chateau. And um, that was a weird way to pronounce that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And like, just as she's teleporting, he steps into her box and they like, and they go there and she's like, what the hell are you doing? You know? Uh, But like, he does, he says nothing about his plan. Um, And so that, that was his moment of ingenuity, but it wasn't, it wasn't worked out at all. Like it was just an impulsive action. And so, sorry, that's the only, like just you talking about ingenuity. That was the only note that I had about it anywhere. Also, I didn't know that's how beaming works. You can step into somebody's fart beam and they just, you can (laughs) fart away with them. Different transporters work different ways. I would have liked if he stepped over thinking he's being all, all sly and coy and everything and nothing happens. And they're like, what were you doing? Did you think that you can just. Oh, yeah, that's not how beaming works, Picard. <laughs> but uh, so, I just yeah, nobody had I, I, the whole thing. The, uh, what's his name? Soong's plan mm-hmm. to kill Renee. Yeah. Why? Why did he have a sound file playing? Like, why are the dead soldiers not being asked about? Why is he there without clearance since he's basically just been defunded and um, and discredited? And then why would his donations override protocol? Like... <laughs> I get that there are times where, you know, you've greased enough hands that they'll kind of let you have a little bit more leeway, but this person didn't seem to have that authority. It was very, we need this to happen. We haven't really thought out how he's going to infiltrate and kill them. Also, he already has a way to kill them. Right. That From a require distance. require him being a yeah. 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 And an anonymous way. Because once he makes his way in there, I'm sure there are cameras fucking everywhere in that place. Right. And they're going to put it together that he walked through the door and then she walked out and she died not very much time later. Right. And so this idea that she would have been found 
dead. I guess that would have stopped the mission, but maybe temporarily. I'm sure they have understudies who could have taken over for Renee, right? If somebody gets sick on a launch, you don't want to put away a billion-dollar launch because somebody got sick or even died. So it's not like the launch wouldn't have happened. Yes, maybe he would have postponed it, but they would eventually found whatever they were going to find. They didn't set up Renee as being a genius. No. Really. They didn't set her up that, that only she could have discovered these things, that only she could have moved. She was just in the seat. Right. Right? Right. Well, yeah, the question is, like, I mean, obviously this is if somebody else was there, would they have discovered it as well? But she was the one who did discover it. There wasn't anything about whether or not she could be the only one who discovered it, but just that she, because she was the one who did discover it, she had to be there. So Rios talks a lot about, actually kind of, this is the only thing that I liked about the show. Okay. He talks about butterflies. You know, it's like, well, I, I've, I've captured all our butterflies. And he was referring to the chaos theory thing where a butterfly flaps his wings and it rains in New York, wherever right. it is, collecting all of the futuristic technology so nobody finds it affecting the future. That's what he calls butterflies. Yeah. That, that makes a thing. It's like it's the only thread you can find in this show. So the butterfly would be that I would think that Talon's interaction with Renee before the launch is an adequate enough butterfly that it probably would have changed the course of history enough. That her knowing all these things and knowing there's some sort of futuristic thing going on that I don't remember how much information Talon divulged to Renee, Mm -hmm. but enough to make a difference, right? Enough to render all of her work for the past however many years, 30 years, (laughs) inert. Because the whole point was that you don't don't involve yourself. Right. Because that would change the future. And you're there to not change the future. Right. That's what Will Wheaton says later on. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that he and Talon are the same amongst the same people. Like they're in the same, they're on the same team. Yeah. So yeah, that's what Will Wheaton was saying. He's ba- uh, he's basically the the next level up. Like he is the the supervisor who who watches the watchers. Okay. Um. And well, who watches the watchers? <laughs> I just I just said Wesley. All right. So dumb that he's like, I used to be called Will Wheaton. Or, that'd be awesome <laughs> he said that. He's a, <laughs> Wesley Crusher. Yeah. It's like, do you have to do that? Why wouldn't he just be Wesley? Right. Right? Like, he changed his name. Well, and also, like, she wouldn't know who that is. You know, and... <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, right. You know, it, it's like it's like that scene from No Way Home, you know, where Spider-Man's like, I was in the Avengers. And they're both like, that's so exciting. Is that a band? <laughs> Right. You know, it, it's almost the exact same thing. So, and it's just fan service. It's not like any fan is going to see Will Wheaton and not know who he is. And then when he says, I used to be called Wesley, like, you don't need to finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Also, if that's not what you're called anymore, why are you introducing yourself as that? Well, I mean, it, it could be like, it's, it could have been phrased in a way, you're right, like this, it should have been rephrased, but it, he could have said, people used to call me Wesley. You know, like it's been so long since he's actually talked to anyone who actually had to address him directly. Right. But, I don't have a name, yeah. but I guess you can call me Wesley. Right, right. But I mean, if he, if, he, if he said that, then people would be like, wait, so is this Wesley Crusher? You know? Well, I guess he looked like him. Right. Serial um, killer that's wearing his skin. But what's weird about this is like, it wraps up Wesley Crusher's story pretty nicely. It's like, yeah, I did wind up being a traveler and I did all these things and it's pretty cool. But... It still doesn't explain why Corey looks the way she does, and her wrap-up is now Wesley Crusher's wrap-up. Like, 
it's now that same kind of hanging thread where, okay, so she's off to be a traveler? Oh, I thought this was going to be what season three was all about. Oh, maybe. I, you're right. We do have a whole other season, so that's entirely possible that we'll see her again. I thought that this, I mean, that was the most exciting part of the whole episode for me was that, and I actually thought that Will Wheaton did a, a pretty good job being that guy, that character, where you're supposed to be kind of casual, but all-knowing at the same time. I actually thought he was going to be a Q. Right. Well, I mean, but he straight up said, he's like, eh, I'm not like that. Well, I thought I'm not like that Q. We're not all like that. Right. That's what I thought. I thought that he had somehow transcended into Q-ness. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. But that's not the case because they beam away. Yeah, they do. Which also was kind of irritating because I'm pretty sure that he did like kind of fade out in a beam of light, not in a star the way that Q does. But I feel like when he did become a traveler... There was something else to it because they did freeze time when they had that conversation and made that choice. Also, why was it important that they go to the park to have that conversation? Like, meet me here where you you can see what happens next. It's like, okay. Right. And then they just go to a park and have a conversation. Why couldn't he just walk up to her? Yeah. Because they're going to beam away uh, in a very ostentatious way with music playing and whatnot. So why would you want to do – I mean, I'm assuming – nobody seems to care about the future anymore. (laughs) Right. It's like, yeah. It's like we just like how many people have seen people beam in the last couple of hours? Exactly. On planet Earth? And the very first person who saw them beam, like they did care. Seven was like, "I'm a superhero. Can you keep a secret?" My God. Yeah. But I will. So backing up just a little bit, I I am really glad that they did not draw out that it was not Renee in that moment. Like it was her running with Sung and then dying, and she was revealed to be Talon. Like I I just I really appreciated how quickly that switch was revealed. Yeah. And it was since we knew like, yeah, we kind of had to, I mean, I'm sure there are people who were surprised. I mean, I was kind of like, is that going to be Renee? Like, are they, is there a grander plan here? Right. But then I was like, Oh, I see. They're just talent has a mission, mission impossible. Yep. Yep. Um, right. And so the, the other moment that's kind of right around this is seven and Rafi having their like tender relationship moment, which again, it was just like the scene with talent and Picard because it was sweet. But it wasn't earned. Like, Rafi still has not atoned for all of her dickery in the first part of the episode, or in the first part of the season. Um, And this scene should have come when they thought they were going to die at the Chateau. That's a good point. Yeah. It felt very wrap-up. It felt like this is the part where they kiss and make up. Right. I didn't realize that they had to make up about anything. I mean, I guess they'd been through some pretty stressful moments. But right. were they fighting? No. I mean, I mean, they kind of were. There was a lot of tension between the two of them. But it, it seemed like they had been ignoring things rather than actually being mad at each other in that moment. It felt very paint-by-numbers, I guess. Yeah. This whole episode felt very network paint-by-numbers. We have to have the scene where the two lovers make up. Right. We have to have a scene where the person dies. And it didn't – it just didn't – they didn't earn any of it, especially when they had all – whenever they quote the – old music whether it's the original series music or the next gen series music it just always feels what i don't even think, i can't even think of the word it just it feels hokey it feels unearned network tv-ness because there's a moment where at the very end where elnor shows up again mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. q used his final moments his final energy to bring elnor back to right there's a part where and so rafi is obviously delighted and then they have to have a line from Picard that they obviously put in later because we never see him say it. It's just off screen where he says, isn't that what Q said? A gift, a surprise or something like that? 
that shows the just the utter contempt for the audience that literally less than five minutes earlier right he had he had said that and the people who make the show said no the audience is going to forget that we need to have some some reminder that those two things are connected that that was the gift yeah i'm sure somebody who was checking their email was supposed to be watching the show giving notes on it they said wait what happened i didn't understand right and there's like, oh, the one of the higher ups didn't understand that that was what Q was talking about, and so we have to put in some sort of nod for the audience. Right, right, yeah. No, it's a good point. Um, I so, hate it. I hate. I hate that way of like. If you don't get it, oh well. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like you didn't need to see that. You could have just been like, I would have just assumed had I not heard that it's like, oh, Q did that one too. Right. And then I would have moved on. Yep. Well, and also, mm-hmm. and also, it's the phrasing in a moment like that you would reference what he said, but you wouldn't repeat his quote. You know, like, oh my gosh, Eleanor's here. I guess that's the gift Q was talking about. Yeah. You, you wouldn't say it that way, but they had to repeat it specifically so everyone could remember what they heard three and a half minutes earlier. Right, right. Uh, so they did exactly what we were saying, you were saying, like, they shouldn't do, which is, you know, goodbye, old friend. I know. But so I, like, when this happened, I was like, and I, I wrote this down, so I'm going to just read it. I said, okay, I need to work through this. Q sent Picard and his crew to an alternate timeline where they had to meet up with the Borg and travel back in time. Once they got to the past, which Q was hoping they would, he then had to meet up with Sung to give him an antidote for Corey that only worked a little bit that would then force Sung to go try and stop Renee. And while he was off stopping Renee, Q could then tell Corey everything about Sung, give her the actual antidote, which then allowed her to go free, which pissed off Sung enough that he was willing to team up with the Borg and try to kill Picard so he could then kill Renee uninterrupted, but this also allowed Borgness to become a new Borg. It then caused Sung to desperately try to kill Renee, which allowed Talon to meet Renee, and then Corey, now free, could delete her dad's files, thus resetting the timeline, and all of this caused Picard to face his past, understand the little control-slash-influence he had on the whole set of events, and forgive himself, as Talon and Q have been trying to tell him to do. Oh, that's nice. I like that it's it's like that was well put it's very convoluted and i was like that's that's a lot of heavy lifting on q's part and i was like "Eh, that's also very q like but it's still unclear what his actual intention was supposed to be or was this all his intention was everything happening as planned because he never says that i am sent i am changing the the past to provoke picard to go back in time to fix the past he never says that explicitly he someone actually says that to him at some a certain point he says i didn't send him back in time right he did that himself and it's never clear whether that was part of the plan or if there was some other plan because he loses his powers and it's unclear if q when he remember when he's sitting outside he's like whispering to himself you're, oh, you're yeah. now losing to renee and you get the impression he's trying to dissuade her from going and so is that him originally changing the timeline or is that him trying to maintain the timeline that he has changed? Right. And you get to the end of this and you, you still don't know any information about Q. Mm-hmm. Why he's dying. Do all Q die? And why now Picard and Q are friends? Like Q, at the beginning of the show, or rather of the season, Picard is not happy with Q. Right. And he doesn't have a fond nostalgia for Q either. Right. He's pretty upset about it. So he's like, Q, what have you done again? Not again. I'm tired of your bullshit. Right. And now they have this thing where it's like, goodbye, old friend, and we give you a hug. Yeah. Hugs all around. <laughs> and I didn't realize how much taller and larger uh, John DeLancey is right. than Patrick Stewart. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was quite a 
disparaging difference. I, I mean, I'd never known. It's almost like he was standing on a box or something. Yeah. I feel like what a missed opportunity to explore Q a little bit more. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because you have this very mysterious person who they even dive into in Voyager quite a bit. Right. But you still don't ha- have a really good sense of what's – because they, they frame this whole war with the Q in a Civil War type of scenario. And it was kind of interesting because this, they, you know, this whole idea, this is how your feeble brain can process this. Right. And – that Q is no is no longer kind of like how Guinan is no longer Guinan, like that that kind of condescending, quippy Q is not in this show, right? And I liked there was a point where I kind of liked that. I was like, oh, there's a darkness now. There's something going on with Q that we don't understand, right? And obviously, it became that he was dying and didn't know what to do about it. Or I guess he did know what to do about it. We don't know. There's never an explicit conversation where they talk about his intentions. Like they just said, you're my favorite human, Jean-Luc. And this was to help you uh, be able to talk about your feelings. Right. (laughs) This whole thing. Right. All these people died. And Picard was kind of appropriately vexed about the whole thing. He was like, why? How many people had to die for you to have this thing? It's like, oh, I guess a few people died. That's not the point, Picard. Right. Well, I like he's like, Eleanor dies in every timeline, so it doesn't matter. It's like, well, <laughs> everybody dies in every timeline. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So I just didn't understand why you didn't even need Q for this. They could have just woken up. There could have just been something. Like it was the Borg. Or, like you could have come up with a much tighter way to get them into an alternate timeline. Right. That wasn't Q. It was just they wanted to invoke Q because it was Q. It was something recognizable. Yeah. Once again, the writer's not doing their homework and and who Q is and what he means to Picard and everybody else. Like, again, Q is not this – like, they were not buddy-buddy ever. Ever. Right. They were never on the same team. And Q was never friends and really only all he ever did – for Picard was introduce him to the Borg. Yeah. And just give him a heads up. Like these people are coming. Yeah. And accelerated that. Yeah. He introduced humans to the Borg and the Borg were like, Oh, okay. More people to more life forms to assimilate. Right. Exactly. He accelerated that. They weren't ready for because Picard, it was to outline Picard's arrogance that they were ready for anything now Yeah, that they had, they had transcended puberty as a race and now they're ready to go. Right. And that was, and Q was like, uh, are you? And it was kind of a neat episode because that's where Guinan is kind of like, Q, what did you do? Don't, you know, because it, it, it implied that there was some sort of history between Guinan and Q, too. Right. Which they never go into. Never. Yep. Well, they, they did a little bit because there was that treaty. What treaty? The treaty that was locked up in the bottle, remember? That she had to pour to like, try and get Q to show up and he didn't show up anyway. Oh, he didn't show up anyway. Well, did he show up? It took him a, I mean, it he took sh- him a while. Right. Yeah. And was that a specific cue or would that have called any cue? Right. I, well, yeah. Never explained. Who knows? Never explained. What a missed opportunity. Because you had Whoopi on set. Right. Or you, I guess you had her for the day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that must have been a fun day to shoot though, because she like, she got, she did the opening and the ending. I wonder if they shot that in the same, at the same time. They must have. I guess they must have. Yeah. Well, why have her back? I guess why shoot chronologically? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, <laughs> one thing was interesting because like Rafi and Rios had their goodbye and it was very tearful. And I, at first I was like, well, this is weird. But also Rafi was the one who recommended Rios. Sorry, I've got my cue talking in the background. <laughs> um, but she... You got to teach her how to snap. <laughs> she can clap. She's that far. I'll teach you how to okay. snap for sure. Okay, you got to see. Um, but like they, they haven't really shown them, shown us their history. But their history comes from the fact that Rafi even like she's the one who recommended Rios to Picard at the start of season one. So like they clearly do have a history, and that's probably the smartest that the writers have expected us to be. Because even though like they hardly interact with each other, they still had that tearful goodbye because there is the history there. But see, the difference is that the only history we know about is what was reported to us in the first season. They have a history. The end. Right. There was nothing really. I guess they have the moment where she falls off the wagon in the first season. Oh, yeah. But actually, no, that was one of the holograms, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter. Point is, why not have Rios need to stay behind? He's got to hold the ship while they go into the future and fix whatever. Right. I don't know what that is because you would need to rewrite it kind of considerably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. Why instead of him just choosing to stay, why not send him over the edge with a reason to stay? It's like, oh no, we need to do like you see that early on. It would be very easy to do, right? And it wasn't that he he wanted to help with all of with ice and all of the right, uh, right. That's what he wound up doing. Immigration yeah. thing. It's never explicitly said. I guess we're supposed to do that math. That's the one subtext we're supposed to do in the whole of the show. Well, no, like uh, Guinan spells out for us what he did, what they wound up doing. But my my point being, like, he didn't stay to do that. He just got stuck, and that's what he wound up doing. He wound up helping her, and they fell in love. Well, that was why he stayed, was for her. Right. And the little but boy. But to go back to what you were saying, like, he, he had to stay for some reason. And then we find out through Guinan that he did fall in love with Teresa. Like, you know, have them, have them be business partners at the beginning. Don't have him fall in love with her there, kind of what you were saying. You know, and then have him have to be forced to stay. And then we find out from Guinan that because they worked together, they did fall in love and he became an excellent parent to Ricardo and Ricardo wound up saving the, the planet. Becoming the Boar Queen? <laughs> right. That would have been, been better. If Ricardo was actually, if they opened up the thing and it wasn't Gerardi, <laughs> right. it was Ricardo. Yeah. Agnes came back for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess it was... It was not a big reveal. They kind of played it like it was a big reveal that Gerardi was the Borg Queen. Right. But it wasn't because who else would it have been at that point? Well, right. I mean, the thing is, like, in episode one, it was like, who could it be? You know, these are the options. But then by, like, episode three, I think, you know, everyone's like, it's Agnes. Yeah. That was probably the most satisfying moment of the of the whole show, or I guess of the episode, was that it was Gerardi. She had not lost all of her individuality, but had done something. To her hair. With the, with, to, yeah. And it was kind of shittily done because you could see the visual effects on her face. Yeah. Where her face transitions to the rest of her outfit. And it wasn't some cool makeup. It looked like they had just like basically faded to black. So you couldn't see where her face ended and the prosthetic began right that was kind of cool i like i mean i like that actor a lot too i mean she's not doesn't have to do much in this particular episode uh-oh very good i heard her slam down something maybe she doesn't agree <laughs> no she pulled the headphones off my head oh um. <laughs> and how does it end actually i guess it ends with that whole thing with the shields which came out of nowhere which i didn't even care about 
It didn't seem that there was any problem. Like they don't in the in the very first episode, this whole thing with the energy storm. Uh-huh. Was that actually even talked about? No, and you know what they should have done is had them so focused on fighting the Borg that they didn't think about the anomaly in front of them and it wiped out all of those ships. Might have been better. So we knew about the threat. We like, you know, oh my gosh, facing the Borg while well, in the middle of this anomaly and the anomaly is what blows them up. Like they need to team up with the Borg or they need to get out of there. You know, what are they going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, have have the Borg be like, okay, we need to team up together because I know how to solve this. Something just occurred to me after listening to you talk. You're annoying. <laughs> hey. No, no, no. That's what occurred to you. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. I thought that was understood. I just implied, right? No. <laughs> Stop trying to so one of the big things about this episode, or the season, rather, is that we can't change the future. The future has to go as it always has. Otherwise, everything's going to be fucked up. Right. Right? Everybody, we have that talk with almost every character. Don't do that. You can't leave this. You can't say that. You can't stay here. The future. Right. Right? Yeah. Which they totally abandoned in the last one. Because if you think about it, Gerardi becoming the Borg. Right. And her making this pact with the Borg that we're going to be for good and not for evil anymore. That changes way more than anything they could have done. Because now Picard, the captain of the flagship of the Federation, was never assimilated, I'm assuming. Uh, First contact never happened. But that's the thing. They all did happen based on this episode because Guinan had a picture of Rios with Teresa uh, in her bar from the beginning. I mean, whether or not it's actually there, I don't know. But she says, you know, I've, I've had it up waiting for you to notice. Um, and so what it sounded to me like was these events have always happened. So it's based on um, events, not time. And that means there's now two Borg floating around. There's a Borg that assimilates out of... Um, desire and there's a Borg that assimilates through force. Do they say that? Or are you are you making are you doing work? I'm I'm doing a little bit of work, but it's based on what they said about other things. But they just said, oh, the picture of Rios was there all along. I was waiting for you to notice, and I'm sure we could go back and look at it. I'm sure it's there, right. In all the shows, I but, hope because the Borg are now in like the Beta Quadrant or something like that. They're like very far away from planet Earth, right? So I guess you could say that it would have taken in that particular ship. Girardi and the Borg Queen a very long time to get back to the Borg. Right. So maybe they just kind of hung out. But we need to we need to know that that's what happened. <laughs> I need to know that. Because right. I want to know now, because she had 400 years to make everything right and what the Borg would have done in terms of assimilating people. Because uh-huh. they talk about that with the Borg Queen. Right. She says, you assimilated all these people. For what? What did you get? That you know, And that was that whole speech between Girardi and the Borg Queen. Right. So... Did, what did she do then? What was she doing? If she wasn't stopping the Borg from being Borg and making them into this new thing, where what was she doing? I think that she was developing a new Borg. Like she was, she was building up a a Borg resistance, as it was, that you know would either find the original Borg and be able to have that conversation with them as well, and be like, you know, in kind of the same thing, you know, every every timeline you fail, so why not work with us? Um, or to have a collection, a collective of willing Borg who fight harder than the original Borg. And so they would be able to stand up against the Borg. Okay. I mean, that would have been nice to hear. Right. I would have liked to have heard that come out of somebody's mouth because it's unclear. Mm -hmm. Because if it is true that they, that, that is the Borg. Yeah. 
if that is the Borg and in terms of how that particular present knows it, but see, that wasn't though, because if it was causal, because that's who they see at the beginning of the series. Yeah. So that's how it's always been. Right. So what's the difference? I don't know. I just, I, I feel like we, this lacks explanation. Right. And I mean, to, since we know that season two and season three are kind of a part of each other, that may be explained in season three. Like they may actually sit down with Borgness and talk with her in a way that they didn't in this episode. <laughs> I feel like I wish Ernest Borgnine was <laughs> on the show. Um, uh, so just my final note is I'm so glad that he learned at the end of this season what he learned at the end of The Next Generation. Which was what? Just that he needed to spend more time with his crew, like with his family. Well, he needed to open up to his family. Yeah. That, that, that everybody is family. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> everybody. Right. But yeah. I like that where's the, they got back on to the stargazer. And like, where's Captain Rios? Don't worry about it. Get back to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, for them, that's got to be... Uh. Weird. Can you imagine getting the call? Like, you think the Borg are these terrible, evil people who want to destroy everything and assimilate everything, and you're just on one of the random starships out there. Right. And you get a call from who obviously sounds like Picard. Is like, you will relinquish all power to the Borg and let them drive your ship. <laughs> right. And we've we've already established that the Borg can sound like other people. Right. And you're like, uh, I think I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. I wanted a whole, now I just wanted the whole series to be about that particular Borg queen would have been way cooler. Yeah. Just to know, okay, what have you been up to? Right. What what have you been doing? Have you been fighting other Borg? Shouldn't we have heard about this at this point? Yeah. I'm, I'm also trying to think like, what if this had been told almost in flashback style where the Borg does come up peacefully and they sit with her, you know, they're like, so how did like Agnes, Agnes is standing there and she's like, how do you know, how do I become this? Oh, that'd be, that would have been interesting. Or, so you know how in First Contact, at the beginning of the show, where they, they defeat the Borg at whatever, with Wolf 49, is that what it's called? 359. And, yeah. yeah, and as they're following the Borg sphere in t- inside of that, like, time vortex thing, yeah. in the wake of the vortex, they can see Earth, and it's obviously been assimilated. Right. Like, the whole surface is Borg, looks like Borg. Yeah. So that idea where maybe Agnes gets pulled back into time when they're on the stargazer in episode one and all of a sudden everything changes and the Borg queen changes, everything changes and you're like, what's going on? And then Picard does the self-destruct and that's what sets off the, the series. But that would have been interesting from the standpoint of like a causal thing. It's like, Oh, her going back in time, Agnes going back in time changes something. We don't know what it is, and that's what—that's why the Borg is here. I don't know. It would have been fun to play with that kind of causal loop thing. It's like what came first, but it's not entirely sure. Right. But no. And you were right. The whole season took place in 2024. Yep. I hate you. <laughs> I feel like if you hadn't had put that into the universe, it wouldn't have happened. They don't have series that go back in time, and they only go there for a little bit. Like, that's where they solve everything, and then they come back to the present at the very end. And they didn't even need to be there. <laughs> like all the things that, that they were there for. If you think about what takes place in the past versus what actually happens in the past that they need to fix is like minimal. Right. The whole thing with Rene Picard could have happened in the third episode. Yeah. I think Q has the hiccups. She does. 
<laughs> oh, now she's unhappy. Yeah, you made her unhappy. <laughs> You're the one who commented on her hiccups, made her self conscious. Oh, she can hear me. <laughs> we can all hear you, Paul. <laughs> We're almost done. Almost done. So, all right. Well, so now that we watched the entire thing, do we want to do we want to analyze it? What is there to analyze? There's nothing to analyze. It's not even a Star Trek show. I mean, that's the broken record of everybody everywhere on the internet. Right. But what happened? I mean, I guess the number one thing that makes it not Star Trek is the characters not taking control of anything. I guess maybe they take control in the last episode, but for the most part, they're just reacting to things. Right. In kind of a befuddled way. Nobody ever gets ahead of anything. Right. They don't get ahead of a problem. Should that be part of our criteria? Well, does that disqualify most of the other shows except Next Gen? Because it's not really how they're formatted. I mean, I guess it's kind of it kind of happens for a lot. Like I'm trying to think of like the the lame like the last DS9 episode, Waltz that we watched, right? Where okay, so Picard, or Picard, <laughs> Picard shows up and fixes everything. <laughs> Where Cisco, he does get ahead of Ducat in that, in a way, right? Like that. If we were going to apply our criteria, but the problem is, it has to be in the sense of science fiction and not just oh in a character way like is he is he mac is there a machiavellian type of getting ahead of it in that kind of way it's like that that wouldn't be star trek right well and on top of that like getting ahead of it like does that mean having a a techno babble solution to it you know because that's still reactionary and i feel like that's what a lot of voyager is that's true well maybe that would disqualify we've disqualified a lot of voyager so already but if you think about Jordy in Booby Trap, how he he and what's her name, the computer, <laughs> get ahead of the problem by their ingenuity. That is something that right. that would be an interesting criteria. I feel like but I don't. Yeah. I, no, I feel, I feel like that would that's that is part of what makes Star Trek really great. Star Trek is when you do see them kind of solving things as a, in real time, but that doesn't necessarily what, what makes it Star Trek. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's kind of keep that in the uh, back of our head a little bit, you know? All right. I'm good with that. Okay. So do we think that Star Trek Picard Season 2 is actually proper Star Trek? No, because none of the sci-fi is original. Yeah, it's just – it's laser guns and fart beams. Yeah. And- I mean it's – you know, it the, the sci-fi is required for the plot, like the time travel um, and the the cloning and the traveling into – Inter, uh, to another planet or no is Europa another planet timeline yeah <laughs> Europa is a moon I think okay okay yeah that's right it's a moon um, you know so like the sci-fi is required for the plot but all everything that happens with it is just stereotypical stuff um, and the the only moral and ethical dilemma that I can think of that was actually faced was when Talon was like are we doing the right thing <laughs> <laughs> Which is how you would describe an ethical dilemma is just someone would say, are we doing the right thing? Right. <laughs> that would be the definition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why did Soong have a recording of himself talking to the computer? Did he, was he right. expecting people to I infiltrate know. his house? Yeah. Yep. That was my biggest like confusion there. It, it clearly was just a setup, but why? Like there wasn't a trap after that. <laughs> I mean, and when all was said and done, I feel like this uh, this season was better than the second season, but or better than the first season, but it still had the same kind of like 
thinking back on the previous episodes, this scene, this situation does not make sense. I don't know. We could go on and on about it, about all the little things. I just, I was watching it. I was so disappointed. You know, I was watching it. I was thinking, God, what this, what a weird choice. And you watch the behind the scenes videos and they're, they're so, they're so smug about the show. Right. Although, I don't know, maybe people love this. Do people love this? I mean, yeah, there's always going to be fans who just delight in, you know, anything, whatever it is. You know, I'm not saying one person is going to love everything, but you will always find fans of anything. So I don't, I don't know what the general consensus is. I think, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with season one. I think that um, people loved it in the beginning. And as the story went on and the season went on, people, you know, got more and more frustrated and disappointed with how things were going. Yeah, that was me. Right. They fooled me with episode two. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how it goes with with a lot of people. You know, they it's just. And again, for me, it goes back to, like, they can't decide what they want to do. But, like, they focus on... <laughs> there are times where she does that, where it's like, this is what you sound like. <laughs> That's you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and again, like, because there, this kind of... It didn't really end on a cliffhanger, but it kind of did. There's still... They st- How did it end? I can't remember. What was the last thing we saw? It ended with them talking about, like, well, what's behind the conduit? Like, what's on the other side? And, you know... Oh, right, yeah. And I did like that in that past little thing, there's a, there's a part where Seven looks at a console and starts kind of spouting off, like, the science stuff. I was like, oh, that's the old Seven. She sounded like the old Seven. It's like, oh, maybe we're back. Maybe it took them this long. Maybe this, this next 37 seconds of the show, I can enjoy myself. Right. I guess it happened. I guess I got a little bit of that. Uh, okay, so we decided. We, we made it through. We, we did. For yep. us. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I feel like it was better than the, the first season. Um, but they just, they need to make it more serial if they're going to choose to make it more serial. I heard that the entire cast of Next Gen will be back in season three. Except Will Wheaton, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. But he also but said that's... nothing about being in season two, so I think that he will be back as a traveler. Well, that was the most interesting part for me. Right. I want to know what that means. Yeah. But uh, what's next, John? We have something coming up next. It's another Star Trek show that just started airing. We're going to start doing Strange New Worlds? Is that what you're talking about? That's right. Yeah. That's right. How did you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're actually going to incorporate it into our weekly episodes. So we will not be covering every episode each week as we have been with Picard, but we will be covering them as they as they air when we get to them. Right. It's not going to be episode by episode. We might take a little break this summer. It's unclear how much break we're going to take. But uh, yeah, keep stay tuned, everybody. We're going to start. We're going to keep on going with the new Trek and we're going to keep on going with the old Trek. So fear not. Fear not, faithful listeners. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there needs to be something after that. There needs to be a comma. Fear not, measurers. Like measure of an episodians. <laughs> anyway, I've been Jonathan. And I've been Paul. And this has been the Measure of an Episode, Star Trek Edition, Picard Edition, Season 2 Edition, Episode 10, Culmination. I don't know who to do, though. What? Uh, I don't even know what Anson Mount sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's gonna—he's the new captain. Does he play Captain Picard too? <laughs> yes, he plays Captain Picard too. Okay. Point oh. But you already knew that. That's what I think he sounds like. Okay. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Q. I know. All right. I gotta go. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, bye. Bye.